welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be with you. We're going to talk about some yarn stuff and some witchy stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Awesome. So we usually start out with a little news. I have a little bit this week. So for all of 2022, I am going to be running the There and Back Again Knit Along, which is a really easygoing year-long knit along themed anything Tolkien. Uh, just if you do a project that is Tolkien themed, either by the yarn or pattern, you can come join us in our Fiber Coven Discord. There's some public threads. We'd love to have you. Prizes each quarter. Lots of nerdy goodness. Yay. Yay. Now on to more yarny stuff. Did you finish anything this week? I did, but I can't <gasps> talk about it. It's a swatch oh. for a submission. Yay me. Oh, mm-hmm. and, and you also finished the other secret thing too, huh? Oh, yeah, I did. It's gone now. Can't talk about it. Oh, oh, it's gone? Yeah, I had to send it to them. Emily finished a design submission. I think that... I did. I think in theory, I can tell you about it in February, but Mm. not yet. Yeah, I will say it understood the assignment. I think everybody will be pleased. Yay. Yay. I finished a couple things that I can show you. So I, in order to get rid of my Moon Club scraps, Moon Club shawl that I'm wearing, I did another faded like sock head hat. And this is kind of in the warm colors. Oh, it's so nice. And it's harvest moon, hunter moon, cold moon, and worm moon. And it's just a simple ribbed beanie. And I think it's, it's, it's a nice vanilla beanie. I like it. It's very beautiful. I like how the yarn is fading together. Yeah, I was worried that uh, solids wouldn't fade as nice. And they don't fade like perfectly, but like from far away, it looks really nice and faded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, pounded through season two of The Witcher. And this was a project I was working on while I was watching that. Don't watch that show for the plot. <laughs> Comic wink. Yes. And then I also finished a pair of socks. Oh, forest fruit socks. Yes, I finished my forest fruit socks. The pattern is by Sachiko B. And this is in some old Knox yarn um, co. I had, it is the Faunus base, which is the two-ply, I think BFL. Um, and this is Harbinger. And then this is just some black with gold Selena that I dyed up for contrast. It's got this nice little, um, I don't know if I'd call it floral, but like, I don't know. They're forest fruits. They're just little like leaves and flowers and acorn color work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're cute. And I did have the emergency toe. So one toe is contrast and the other is not. But these are destined to go to a knitter who will totally understand that and be cool with the be cool with that. Mm-hmm. So yay, a pair of socks for a friend. Yay, socks. That's what I finished. Um, so what have you been working on lately? I've been working on my vanilla sock um, mm-hmm. a little bit. Oh my gosh, that's sock number two and you're onto the foot. I am. Yes, this is the sock that's a present for my uncle and I am hanging out with my aunt in Disney World uh, next week. So I am going to finish this and give it to her to give to him. And nice. that will be that. Excellent. Yeah. And then the other thing that I worked on, I didn't grab to show on the video, but I have been darning some socks. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of do my annual like sock check-in this time of year and check to see if things need to be fixed and many things need to be fixed. I have darned like five pairs of socks. That's so many. 
Mm-hmm. And you it, usually do the duplicate stitch method. If a hole has not worn, I do the duplicate stitch method, um, which mm-hmm. is most of what I was doing on those socks. So like preventing holes from forming by filling in with duplicate stitch. If I still have the yarn in my scraps, that's the same yarn. I'll do it in the same yarn, but otherwise I just do a contrast and do visible mending and I don't really care. Uh, and if a hole has already formed, which we do have over 100 year old floors. So sometimes a bit of our floor will like snag and like just a hole will form instantly. Uh, and then I will do a patch where, and I do a knitted on patch. I do not do the woven darning method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I might try darning some of my socks. I noticed some having thin patches lately. Mm-hmm. You know, can't believe all these socks I knit close to 10 years ago are finally starting to have holes. Yep. <laughs> Hand knit socks last so long. They do, unless you're me. You, we were pretty hard on our socks. I think it's mm-hmm. because of the aforementioned floors, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sweetie is pretty hard on his socks too, but his issue is felting knot holes and wearing out. Like mm-hmm. it's just felt instantly. I'm like, okay, that just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I cast on a new project, something that was on my list for a long time. And I cast on the shoe sweet shrug. And it is a brioche oh. pattern. Oh. Yeah. It's so brioche. I like yeah, it. Yeah. So I, for the main color, I'm using this speckled white that I got in Barcelona right before everything hit and the plague happened. Um, but it's a nice speckled neutral and it's called, it's called Batlo Facade, which is one of Gaudi's buildings, which I like. I think that architecture is really fun. And then for the other color, I am using a hand spun gradient. This thing is enormous. Like mm, so it's in my head. That's going to be cool. It's it's probably close to eight ounces of fiber here. And I think this is my organic Polworth. I spun this a long time ago. But I think the combination of the mill spun yarn and hand spun yarn is really nice. It's making it nice and cushy. I really enjoy that this part is going to be like around my neck and shoulders. And then it's going to fade from yellow to a kind of peachy to a kind of purple, which I think is fun. Um, you can kind of just see lines of brioche growing here and then lines of garter that, uh, with the little hole motif that go over the shoulders. And this is like all I want to knit on right now. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this pattern is pretty good. It's by Suzanne Summers. Um, who's a very popular knitwear designer. The things that I liked about the pattern is there was a 20 minute long video tutorial for the cast on and setup, which I found really helpful. Uh, I, I guess I've done several brioche projects, patterned brioche projects. So the techniques weren't anything I didn't know, but I was feeling kind of lazy and I just wanted to follow along the video instead of read. And I thought that was really helpful. I really enjoyed it. And then there is increasing, obviously it kind of just grows like a shawl. And in the pattern, it has listed how many stitches there should be after each uh, repeat. And it's broken down by like chunks in between each marker, which I thought was really helpful chart to have. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really all I've been working on. I have to cast on another vanilla project because I need vanilla stuff. I need to do that too, because I'm going to Disney. So 
I'm going to finish these socks. So I need another thing. I, I guess I'll probably pick socks, but I was debating if I wanted to like kind of just like BS a really plain shawl kind of a thing mm-hmm. or like a hat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was contemplating casting on for a vanilla project, maybe like a sock, another sock head hat. Cause apparently that's what I do now or some socks or they're full bralette for you ah. because that would just be lots of ribbing, which would be really good for TV knitting because I don't really, I don't really need portable knitting much these days because I, my errands are either so short, just like to the store or the post office that I don't really need a little bit of knitting or I'm going in a full car ride to go visit a friend and I can take a real size project bag. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'm going to cast on your ripple bralette. That's exciting for me. Yeah. I'm so happy you don't mind me just knitting you things. I'm so happy you're just knitting me. <laughs> it works out good because I crave vanilla knitting and you, uh, it makes sense for you to just be knitting your own things. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, Hmm, should I just make up a vanilla shawl to bring with me? Because I like feel bad when I just knit vanilla things. Except for socks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have actually have a ton of self-striping or anything left in the, in the stash. I'm, I'm doing good at, at working down the stash. Yeah. It's kind of what I've got going on. I guess then we can talk about acquisitions. You acquired I did. some witchy things. I did get a witchy Christmas present, which is mm-hmm. this Disney Villains Ooh. tarot deck. That's so neato. Yeah. It's by Insight Editions. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, they did the Supernatural one that I have. Mm-hmm, and it's the same author of the book as the Supernatural one that you have. Mm-hmm. So the same person picked all the cards and wrote all the little descriptions did you like the characters they chose for each card i did i think they did a really good job picking all the characters for each card they make a ton of sense they definitely like thought about the elements uh that each suit pertains to when they pick stuff because like ursula appears multiple times in the cup suit um, oh because water i just Mm -hmm. drew her Mm -hmm. um interesting choice for queen of cups well, the thing that's kind of weird about this deck is that everyone's a villain. Mm-hmm. So like the positive cards are a little bit of a stretch sometimes, but I think that they mm-hmm. did a good job like with the written description relating it back. Let's look at what the Queen of Cups description is for mm-hmm. Ursula as an example. Mm-hmm. A fearsome sea witch, Ursula concocts powerful potions to manifest the desires of those who go to her for help, but they'd better pay the price. The Queen of Cup represents an intuitive, compassionate person who's always willing to help any poor, unfortunate souls who come their way. So like kind of funny. It's funny, but it's also like a bit of a stretch, which is how some some of them are. But a lot of them make a lot of sense. I like that Kronk is the fool. Nice. I think Kronk is a good the fool choice and i overall i think the major arcana is probably the best mm-hmm. this is hades is death of course yeah and a lot of the pip cards are just like visual mm-hmm. like they don't they don't have like a specific character i mean that some of them do have yeah. specific characters but it's just like mm-hmm. vague, vague disney art with like floating mm-hmm. things Mm-hmm. And they are pretty much centered around a specific story. 
for the most part, like a lot of the cups are Little Mermaid themed mm-hmm. and a lot of the coins are Lion King. Lion- Thank you. I couldn't think of the name of that film. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it it's fun. There's like some more obscure characters represented, like the butler from the Aristocats is included, mm-hmm. which that's like an obscure one. That's kind of fun. Um, that is fun. Yeah, and the bad guy from Big Hero 6, so. Hmm. Neato. But yeah, I like it. I think the art's really nice. Mm-hmm. It is really fun. I am going to bring it with me to Disney for a themed, themed tarot reading. So look, it's the Poison uh, Apple. What was it? It's the Five of Wands. Nice. Nice. That is a uh, start some trouble sort of a image for a start some trouble sort of a card. Yeah, I think mostly they did a really good job. The tower is Rapunzel's tower. Mm-hmm. That's super neat out. Yeah, so it's fun. The same, uh, I think it's the same artist and the same author are making a Alice in Wonderland themed tarot deck as well. Uh, Disney Alice push. in Wonderland? A Disney, or? Disney okay. Alice in Wonderland specifically. I'm sure that there is a non-Disney Alice in Wonderland tarot deck that already exists, but a specifically Disney one. So mm-hmm. that is that oh. thing. Neato. Sweet. So now that I've stopped my familiar from jumping on my uh, shoddy camera stand here, I guess we can talk about our little occult corner for the week. And since we both, speaking of tarot decks, we both in the past couple months got the Yokayochi tarot deck, which is all traditional Japanese monsters. We thought we'd talk about another uh, figure from Japanese folklore. And today we're going to do the Kappa. And this is the picture of the Kappa from the Yokayochi deck. Um, it was for temperance, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so as you can see here, if you're watching us on video, uh, they're a, an amphibious sort of a creature. Often they're kind of greeny skin toned or kind of yellowy or bluey, definitely very amphibious. They have webbed hands and feet and kind of like a beaky bill sort of mouth and a little, um, it looks like they have like a little fryer tuck hairdo going on, but it's actually like a little plate they keep on their head or like a bowl structure that holds some water, which is very important to them. I think we'll get into that a bit later. And they can also have a turtle shell or not. Yeah. Yeah. They're very humanoid turtle like in a lot of traditional illustrations of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it's definitely worth Googling if you've never seen pictures of these things. They're really interesting. They kind of range from like little green humans with webbed hands and feet to like definitely like human shaped amphibians. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting stuff. Let's see what I got. Yeah. So they have the little dish on their head that holds water and that's kind of like where they kind of uh, analogous to their life force uh, or strength. And so and these can be kind of like tricksters or malevolent creatures. Most often they, they can be helpful at times, but most often they're kind of like neutral tricksters, if not quite they, malevolent little they creatures. They eat people too, so yeah. fair, like fairly most, frequently in stories. <laughs> in Across every culture, most water creatures have the propensity to drown people and animals. Yeah. And these are no exception. We have a fear of the unknown and uh, a lot of folklore stories are warnings about dangerous things. And if you don't Mm -hmm. know how to swim back in the day, water is pretty dangerous. That's why Mm -hmm. we have bees and uh, 
the kelpie and all of that kind of stuff. Sirens. Yeah, various dangerous water creatures. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw like the kind of cutesy cartoony versions are still used to these days to like warn people from playing in dangerous parts of rivers or ponds or things like that. Um, but no, they have the little bowls of water on their head where they, and if that dries out or the water spills out, they are powerless or they'll die or something like that. So a lot of the ways in the, in like the folklore that the humans beat these things or defeat them is to somehow trick them into spilling the water out of the little bowls on the top of their head. And apparently these Kappas love wrestling. So if you wrestle them and win, which is hard to do, yeah, and they can spill the water out of their little dish on their head and the humans can win. Or another way is you could bow really low to them and see if they'll return the bow and therefore spill the water out. And then you kind of get away without getting a horrifically yeah. assaulted by these creatures. <laughs> I saw there were some examples of uh, old stories uh, where you get the Kappa to agree to wrestle you knowing that you mm-hmm. would probably lose because they're pretty strong. But Mm -hmm. Uh, in sumo wrestling you bow to each other beforehand so you're hoping that they will spill the water when they bow and then you can take Mm -hmm. it yeah so here's where I'm going to lay down a trigger warning because this is what I was not expecting when I was researching these things there is a lot of lore about these things and things related to the butthole so if you don't want to hear about that I suggest you skip ahead five minutes or so, or just maybe like, this is where you hang it up. Consider yourself warned. We're going to talk about some butthole mythology. <laughs> so these things apparently have three rectums so they can fart three times as much as a normal human. They're apparently prolific farters, Yep, which is interesting. And their favorite foods are cucumbers, which is cool. And like you said, that that's the name of the uh, a cucumber sushi roll. It's a kappa maki. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, I just thought cucumber was kappa. But I didn't realize that it was named after kappas. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So these things love cucumbers so much. It's one of their favorite foods. So a lot of times uh, in folklore, human characters would try to appease these things with cucumbers by tossing them into waterways before you go swimming. So the kappas have something to eat that aren't your children or livestock or yourself. Mm-hmm. But apparently their other favorite food is something called the shirikodama, which is a mythical chunk of meat inside of the human that lives inside the booty hole. Mm-hmm. So these things, apparently, if you are swimming and they catch you, they will try and rip out this organ located inside your butt. Yep. So that's a really like unfortunate way to to drown Mm -hmm. is fighting something, trying to take away your butthole meat. Yes. And I saw that the (laughs) Shirakodama, the origin of that story might be from like prolapsed anuses found on like drowned corpses. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, And that's where the mythical organ comes from, apparently. Yeah. And, you know, before we start throwing shade on, like, Japan of yesteryear, let's not forget that in Victorian times, it was common to, like, blow tobacco smoke up drowning victims. But this is like bellows way before Victorian times. This is coming in. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So humans have been doing all sorts of weird non-sexual butt stuff for millennia in every country. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And let's see. I think that's the main of the butthole stuff that I know. Did you have any more butthole stuff? Uh, no, that they also might try and suck the mythical meat out of your butthole. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I don't want any of my, uh, butthole adjacent innards removed via like monster hand or monster face. Like they're both equally bad. Mm-hmm. It would seem. Um, so when these things are not trying to steal your soul out of your booty hole, they can also be helpful. Sometimes Kappas are, have been known at times to, help provide irrigation to farmers or give them fish or help set bones. But this is, seems to be a less frequent thing. Uh, or, I, I have, I saw some examples where once you trick it and get it right. to spill its water, if you refill that water, it has like a Kappa Wookie life debt to you and it will be loyal <laughs> to you and help irrigate your crops and stuff uh, because mm-hmm. you saved its life when it was weak. So that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Get a yeah. little papa buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it it these things probably came about like most cryptids of folklore from sightings of real creatures in try, you know, in times where people might have been a little, I don't know, out of it or at night. So there are two creatures that are found in water in ancient Japan, the Japanese river otter, which is now extinct. And apparently these things can be over two feet tall. And let me tell you, if I saw a two foot tall thing standing on its hind legs out by a river with probably glowing eyes, and I wouldn't know what to make of it. And there's also the giant salamander, which is found throughout East Asia, as well as we have a giant salamander here in the United States on the East Coast. It's called the Hellbender, but the giant salamander of East Asia has kind of got this like mottled bluish skin. And and that thing can be like up to five feet long. And if I was playing around in a river or a pond and I saw something that looked human-sized slithering about, I would absolutely think it was a monster. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like you know more about Kappas in pop culture than I do. I have a couple. Um, so there is a Kappa character in Animal Crossing. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is Cap'n. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he drives a boat and takes you to different islands in uh, New Horizons. He is in other versions of Animal Crossing. He has a whole Kappa family with a Kappa wife and Kappa children. Uh and he's a very cute version of a traditional uh, Japanese kappa, which is adorable. Uh, there mm-hmm. are also kappas referenced in a book about a magical uh, teenage wizard. So that's another reference in modern pop culture. Oh, the fandom that no longer gets free publicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh I saw it today. Uh, there's lots of cute versions of Kappas around, kind of like the Animal Crossing version where they're like very cute and chibi. They have like really duckbill like faces and they can be used from anything like Lauren was saying to like warn you against swimming in certain waterways. I saw that they get used a lot for environmental like PSA signage, like please don't dump your trash in this water with like a happy little Kappa who's like swimming in that water, which is cute. So they're kind of like, Today, more seen as a cute, happy sort of a thing and less of a thing of warning, uh, which we kind of saw with Tanukis too, right? Like Tanukis are cute, fat, happy dudes that you put in front of your business uh, to bring you good luck and Kappas are 
cute dudes warning you about waterways. I think that that's a just a general trend in our modern society about cryptids. Like all the all the horrible stories. Like I live my local cryptid, West Coast cryptid is Bigfoot. I'm not saying that's exclusive to the West Coast of the U.S., but it's the one we've got here. And all the like horrible stories of Bigfoots, like killing people, are from the pioneer days. Now all the Bigfoot stories are like hoax videos and tourist traps. So it's definitely the cutifying and commodification of the cryptids that seems to be happening. Well, like mermaids are kind of that thing too, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. from like sirens to like old timey mermaids to like Mm -hmm. mermaids that are magical rainbow princesses now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was super fun. I really enjoyed learning about Kappas as somebody of Japanese American descent. It's fun for me to learn about all sorts of Japanese folklore and creepy monsters because boy, do I love me some creepy monsters. Creepy monsters are fun. We love it. Sweet. I think that's about it for us this week. We do have a little bit of shameless self-promotion, at least I do. I will be having a shop update on January 2nd. So what I'm going to try and do for my Tolkien mid-along in all of 2022 is I'm going to try and have the first Sunday of each month at my usual shop update time and place. Uh, have a big Tolkien update once a month. That way, if you want, you know, if you want the Tolkien yarn, you won't have to buy one every week. I think it makes sense to have them more in a batch. And to kick that off, I will have two self-striping colorways in addition to some coordinating skeins. And I'll have the self-striping on my matte sock base and my high twist BFL. I'll have bag end right here. And that has coordinating colorway Hobbiton. Mm -hmm. Cute. And then I'll have concerning Hobbits. So these are both nice, general, shirey, pastoral mm-hmm. colorways. And then I'll have coordinating colorways, second breakfast, which is a nice teal. Very lovely. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to say on bag end here, one of the stripes is Bilbo's front door. That's the darker green. The lighter green is Hobbiton. And I'll probably, since I got a request for it, dye up some more of that next week. So that might come in, pop into the shop off of schedule, but we shall see. And then I also dyed some onion skin yarn. So I'll have some of my BFL tweed with a couple different onion skin Ooh. colorways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it came out really nice. I have a couple skeins that are this really nice marigold uh, yellow, naturally dyed, and then some that are a nice buttery yellow. And then I, I did a couple um, of the embroidery oh, minis. So those are fun. For the embroidery mini packs kind of tossed in there randomly. And once again, that is on uh, January 2nd. It's a Sunday. And you can find links to everywhere we are around the internet at fibercoven.com. You can find Emily's patterns. You can find my yarns. You can find our Patreon. We'd love to have you. Mm -hmm. Is that it for us? A little bit more news is that I will be gone on vacation next week. So we're not going to have a regular episode uh, next week because we won't be able to be recording because I'll be gone. But I am going to edit our office hours, which is our Patreon exclusive video that we do every week for the audio podcast. So you can see what that's like, and then we'll still have something to come out in place of this. 
Uh, and Yay. if you're curious, you'll find out next week, but uh, we typically talk about our businessy stuff and then we rant a lot about nerdy things in office hours as well as answer Patreon questions. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We look forward to seeing you again. And until next week, Kevin, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.